Welcome into another edition of New Track Record. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you and joined this week by a special guest, Michael Shank, co-owner of Meyer Shank Racing. Of course, the 2021 Indianapolis 500 winning team uh, with Elio Castroneves driving the 06 car. Mike, thanks for coming back on with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Now, Mike, when you woke up on Sunday morning of race day, what was kind of your thought process on, you know, what could happen that day? What were you thinking as far as what your team could do? Well, I was hungover to start with. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel really good, to be honest with you. But uh, honestly, we were just super overwhelmed. We're overwhelmed on a lot of levels. I don't even know where to begin. But um, from, you know, the, the, the amount of the outpouring of support and people that really, I don't know, felt I don't know, appreciated what we had all gone through to get to that point. It's pretty overwhelming and a little bit of in awe, to be, to be honest. And just trying to respond to all the folks that called us uh, was a big deal. And um, I, I didn't know what to do. And it's still a week and a half later. It's still, you know, it's still, you know, it's still pretty cool. It's still pretty vivid. And, uh, and I catch myself watching YouTube at night to watch the finish. I just think it was a masterful job by Elio at the end and, it's just super cool, Michael. What were the uh, what were the emotions? Um, I, I know I'm sure you've been asked this question you know a million times, but what would Elio cross the the yard of bricks and uh, that great photo of you leaning over the attenuator um, and yeah. a great balancing act, by the way. <laughs> that's all I had. I was maxed out right there. That's all I got. <laughs> but you know, uh, you know. Your your history with with racing and, and IndyCar and and the missed opportunities and and this great opportunity that's come up the last couple of years and the way you've built this team. I mean, what what were the were the the emotions and what were the thoughts going through your head when you know you realized I mean, all this work you, you got it done you've won Indy. What's the problem? You, you you don't when you're in the moment you don't. I mean you, you don't realize the full effect of it until about a week later, which is where we sit today. And I mean it's just. Turns out it's a really big deal. <laughs> uh, uh, we're, uh, again, mostly, mostly, I just we're just super grateful. My wife and I, Jim Meyer, the team, Elio, Elio's wife. I mean, all the people that made it happen are uh, grateful and thankful and respectful and all the things you would think to make a little bit of uh, what I keep telling people. I mean, it's a little bit of American history with with Elio and doing four. You know, and we're just a very small part of that cog to, to kind of make that happen. Now, Mike, with Elio, um, I, I think one of the things that I thought going into race day, okay, one, I will say, I did pick Elio to he win. He did. I really did. He absolutely did. But then you won some money that day. You won some money that day. <laughs> he did. Uh, he, but, was 30 to, he was 30-1, to one, to be clear, going into it. So, Which, admittedly, we said was ridiculous. Yes. Starting off, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but on race yeah. day, you know, I thought... He has a legitimate shot to win. He qualified fast nine. Um, yeah. But let's talk yeah. about the the pit crew because, I mean, I think this is the the most fascinating, incredible part of it is how everyone just kind of came together. And, you know, what was the makeup of his crew for the month of well, May? I mean, it was it was not a band of misfits like a lot of the media stuff put out there. <laughs> uh, these are guys that we handpicked. They weren't full-time. There's two... Actually, there's, yeah, one, two, two full-time guys on the car, and that's it. The rest were people that we picked beginning of the year to work for us on Elio's effort for the year, just six races. Okay, so these are contractors that came to us with 
a lot of IndyCar experience from different teams over the years, right, that we liked. And uh, they worked hard. We did the Indy Open test back in, I guess it would be late April. We practiced pit stops, and immediately I noticed they were pretty snappy in the pit lane, like right away. And um, they practiced all week when we were down in Indy. <clears throat> Sorry, over in Indy. And um, the coolest part of that deal is, is that we practiced – I guess it would have been on carb day. However, however that happened, it wasn't great. And so Saturday night before the five, or sorry, Saturday morning before the 500, that whole group on their own went over to Andretti's, used their pit stop car, and they practiced Saturday morning, which is traditionally a day off for IndyCar mechanics, right? They practiced to make sure they had the sound because everybody had a sense that Elio was in this, right? Like really in this. We don't know for sure, but we definitely finished in the top five. And um, they put the work in, and they deserve the credit, and they got it. Mike, you mentioned you know you know partner Jim Meyer and and even Liberty Media as well as as uh, you know owners of this this organization and and growing this thing, um, you know little by little and and going full time with Jack and 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 growing and growing this team and and you got to throw in the IMSA side of things as well. So how sure. does this propel Meyer Shank Racing? into the future across all racing uh, disciplines, not just IndyCar? That's a a very good question. I think that that the tide is rising, and we all have to match that tide. The business is almost outgrowing what we all are as people, so we're figuring out how to manage that with this win, and it means a lot. And and I think what it helps mostly is legitimize us in our partners' eyes and people that want to partner with us because we have to be funded somehow. We do these sponsorships and partnerships with companies that believe in what we're doing and where we're going and what we can bring them. And this helps this times five. Um, so super grateful and thankful for that. Now, with Liberty Media, obviously this means you're eventually going to go F1 Racing too, correct? By 2023. You heard it here, you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, Mike, with, with that relationship with Liberty Media, I mean, that piqued a lot of interest knowing that Liberty Media, you know, owns Formula One. But how did that relationship come about? And where do you see that going and fostering and, and cultivating over the next couple of years? Yeah, you don't have a complete answer for that. I can tell you it came, uh, as most of the IndyCar stuff has come from Jim Meyer, my partner, who is just tremendous. Uh, the luckiest partnership my wife could have ever and I could have ever found. And Jim uh, has been working with them for 18 years now through Sirius XM and Pandora. And um, they came on board to bolster what we're doing. They believe in what we're doing. They don't do anything without thinking at some point they're going to make money at it. And um, and it's kind of a vote of confidence. Um, we are a small investment for them compared to, you know, a lot of things they do. Um, but we just paid off for them, you know, pretty well. And, um, and we're not done. You know, we still, we have still more to do. I feel um, compelled uh, to bring them results and not lose money and make money. Um, it's a little different model than a lot of the models they're used to. But, uh, you know, they as an example, they own the Atlanta Braves. So, you know, for us to win the Indy 500, the top of our rung would be like the Braves win the World Series. And, and I'm just grateful that i did that for them we did that for them in the first uh you know nine months of our relationship and um i don't know where it's going to go um you can you can put all kinds of things in your mind and it could all be possible 
So there you go. Mike, I, I I feel like so much of the the focus the last week and a half has been on Elio and, and been on Meyer Shank, but I think we'd be remiss to, to leave out Jack Harvey because he's been the, the core driver for you uh, with this venture, and, and we've seen his growth year after year, and this year we were kind of surprised where uh, where he was last year in points because we felt like he, he, he was so good last year, and now he's taking that next step. Um, while it was Elio's win, and he, he earned it for sure, a lot of the, the tough days were in endured by jack harvey so kudos to jack and i feel like you know he's performing well this year and and a little bit you got to feel like maybe it was his win as well well so that's a whole nother that's a whole nother thing that you know some media outlets have picked up on but you know jack is uh put his time in he deserves to do better than we're doing this year we're not doing horrible by the way but we've let him down as a team for a couple races here and we need to fix that and we're working on that hard we're going to detroit tomorrow uh, get ready for a double weekend, and we're going to do everything we can to make sure Jack gets what, the results that he kind of deserves. You know, we asked him to, we, we asked him to get better and do certain things better, and we were going to do better. And you know, we we asked for this advancement, and he did it. And uh, and we've actually let him down a little bit, to be truth be told. So we are 110 percent focused. Um, he and I are completely loyal to each other. We've been together in this for four years. We from the beginning. So um, it's a it's a great side story to what's going on with Elio, but Jack, Jack is the true um, cornerstone of this program and helped build it with me at the same time with Jim, with the sponsors, Water Nation, SiriusXM, and uh, I, I want to give him the best, and I'm going to do everything I can to do that. Now, obviously, Elio not competing in Detroit this weekend, but a lot of people make you know make a big deal about the Indy 500 hangover for a driver. Well, that won't be the case. But how do you, as a team owner, and motivate the team once you've reached the mountaintop to kind of get back to business coming up this weekend? It's you know it, it, it seems the, the question you're asked seems like a good question, but I can tell you my guys are motivated, and uh, I made it clear to them that you know we can't let off now. How can we let off now? We we just got here and we need to keep continuing to prove that we deserve to be here. Uh, it's just one, it, I say it's just one win. It happened to be the biggest one in the world, but um, my guys, I, I don't have to worry about motivation. They want to be at MSR, at least I, I believe that. And um, and I think we provide a, a good place to work with lots of opportunity. And uh, what I, I think I like the most about it is we're not even close to peaking yet. We're not even close. And I think we have more 500s left. I think, you know, we have some championships left. And, you know, uh, we're just getting rolling here. Mike, wanted to go back, and I know a lot of the, the stories around Michael Shank and his racing is 2012 and, that, and what happened there. But I think an added thing is I was doing some research, and I didn't realize that that was Lotus year, and you could have potentially ran a Lotus in the 500. Uh, you had full sponsorship lined up, and and you know everybody talks about the the inability to secure a, an engine lease, but you had one, from what I understand, with Lotus. How tough of a decision was it for you to not race a Lotus at the Indianapolis 500, knowing you were not going to be competitive? Um, was that an option, and did you side against it uh, as compared to maybe uh, waiting out for an engine lease and basically not knowing if you'd be able to come back ever? You had the opportunity, but you knew you weren't going to be competitive. It was an easy decision. Easy. Super 
freeze. There's no possible way I'm dragging sponsors. At the time, it was Jay Howard as a driver. With sure. Sponsors and the people I had. There's no possible way I, I want to have to tell them that we're going to get black flagged after 10 laps because we're not fast enough. That is not happening. So I got it out, out of it sooner than I, and then as soon as I could. Uh, we took a big financial hit, me and my wife, a guy named Brian Bailey, that was a big support, is a big supporter of ours. And we got out quick. It, we, it just wasn't our time. That, and that's the bottom line. It left a bad taste in my mouth. But you got to remember, the whole time I was doing that, I always knew I had sports car as my backbone of my business and the team. And I knew no matter what, we're still going to have that. And we're going to kick ass in that. And we're going to get results and all that kind of thing. So, uh, when the time came back around 2017, get back to IndyCar, then we took a fresh new look at it and a different approach, <clears throat> and it worked. And uh, this is this is actually proof of that. You mentioned that bad taste in your mouth, 2012, 2013. When you walked away the first time, did you think you would be back, let alone win an Indianapolis 500, or did you feel that's it, I'm done, sports cars, IMSA's the way, or, or did you feel like the door was was open in the future? Well, I mean, let, let me be clear, first and foremost, the reason we have an opportunity to do what we're doing right now is from Jim France and the France family and Grand Am, what was Grand Am back in uh, 2004. He, he, uh, they embraced us and never let go of us, so I would never turn my back on that. So we have this great IMSA program today, and um, um, I don't know, I guess if I'm, I, I guess I would say to you, I thought I might be done in IndyCar. Um, but as it turns out, I still had this, I don't know, primal urge from my childhood, I guess, and my dad, you know, family, uh, for Indy. And when Stephen Wilson called me in 2016 or 17, uh, to think about running him into 500, that kind of refired it and it worked out. And, um, in a, in a lot of ways, you know, Justin was a driver of mine for a long time in sports car and, you know, his brother kind of you know, kind of paved the way, to be honest. And, and then Fernando Alonso had a piece of it. And I mean, just all these crazy puzzle pieces that made the whole thing work. Mike Shank joining us here on New Track Record. Mike, you know, you mentioned sports cars. You've had a lot of success there. Obviously, Lamar has to be on your radar. What is kind of the next big thing you're you're looking for on the sports car side? Well, the sports car side, the program, uh, we started back in DPI this year. We've had four years with the GTD program. We had two championships. We got back to DPI this year. We've, we've kind of struggled a little bit, you know, getting, I don't know, getting relaunched in DPI after a lot of years in prototype. And so, you know, we're, that program is definitely on the right track. We're going to Detroit with uh, Dane and Ollie Claw. I love that program. I love the drivers. I love the team that we have there. Um, that program, you know, listen, I, I want that program to Lamar. So Lamar is our next thing. We've won the Rolex, one petite Lamar. We, we want to go, you know, we've, you know, we won the Indy 500. We want to go win overall at Lamar. And I can honestly say with this LMDH effort that we could uh, potentially be in that hunt in the near future, I hope. And uh, I think that's pretty exciting. 
Mike, back to IndyCar real quick. And immediately after the win and the celebration, I'm thinking, you know, that's that's a car that uh, that the uh, the museum's going to want at some point. But you also got some racing to do. So, any conversations on on that chassis, on that car, or is it something like, you know, uh, we got to worry about Detroit and and the rest of the 2021 20, season before we worry about where that thing goes? No, no. It's my first thing I worried about. <laughs> first thing I worried about is how, you know, can you imagine? This is what I said when we signed Elliot. Can you imagine if we could be the team that got Elliot at sport? That's what I said when we signed Elliot. But can you really imagine if we're the team that helped him deliver the fifth, which is on, which is unprecedented, right? So we're going to save that car for the 500 next year. And we're working on our program with Elio right now. We have nothing to announce yet, but working on something pretty exciting with him right now. And we want to be a part of that with him. And, and I think he wants to do that with us too. Um, it's a pretty big deal. And I'm just figuring this out. Uh, but we're working with our partners to see if we can come up with some kind of program that makes sense to all of us. And, uh, when we're ready, we'll announce the kind of the U S what we're doing. But, uh, it's really, really exciting time. Now, you mentioned uh, extending the program. Any chance we see Elio at Gateway? And then, obviously, I know you're pushing for full-time with him next year. Well, uh, I, I, you, know, does, you know, I think we're going to be sticking with the six races this year, and there's lots of reasons. We don't, I don't want to go into all what they are, but there's reasons where we're sticking with six. Uh, a lot of people won't understand them, but you just have to trust my, the reason I'm doing this. And um, we'll see where it goes. But uh, I think we'll stick to the program for now and, um, and uh, go for the big uh, prize next year. Mike, have you made a dent in those bricks of bush light yet? I literally have one in my hand as we do. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Excellent. And you think I'm lying, but I'm this. Oh, I, I, oh, I believe you. I'm holding, <laughs> I'm holding the draft bush light as we speak right now. <laughs> That's amazing. Anyway. Uh, you know the amount that you got, and you know that should keep you stock for what a couple weeks, maybe tops. No, no, no. <laughs> the whole the whole Anheuser Bush thing and all that kind of took its own life, which is cool. It's great. I, I love it. Uh, I don't drink that much bush light, to be clear. But I, when I do, I drink bush light. So. Uh, but you know, we'll see, uh, you know, we're not, you know, we're not in any discussion with the eyes of Bush right now, but, um, <laughs> they were very generous to our team, which I really appreciate. And, uh, and you know what, to be honest with you, I, I think we brought them some value in the last week. So, uh, you know, all good. All right, Mike, thanks so much for joining us and good luck in Detroit this weekend. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Not shocked that that was as always good stuff with Mike Shank. We knew they were going to win the Indianapolis 500. That's why we had Mike Shank on once before uh, to build that rapport. So now we're chums. But no, we we uh, we love having Mike on, and even more so now as an Indy 500 winner. And you know the the amazing thing is, Caleb, you told me you, know, you reached out to him within five minutes. He emails you back. Yeah, like you're, you're not going through <laughs> a incredible. publicist or anything. You just no. you reach out to him. You know, we call him up, and he's ready to go. And it's it's very much, uh, you know a down-to-earth type guy, just a normal dude running a race team. And, uh, you know, I'm sure if he continues to have success, it won't be as easy to get a hold of him. But it is pretty cool with Mike Shank that, uh, you know, you can shoot him an email and five minutes later, it's him responding to you. So pretty cool. Congratulations again, Mike Shank. Always a pleasure having him on and a little jealous. He's uh, drinking a bush light while he's he talking a, having to Having a us. great time. Absolutely. And, and a big weekend now for them with – with uh, the Twin Bill of Detroit, with, with both IMSA and IndyCar. 
Yeah, and let's not forget, quick plug, we had Jack Harvey on uh, during the month of May, so you can uh, go back, listen to that interview, and, you know, I talked to Jack about what Elio has meant, you know, as a teammate leading up to the race, and, you know, Jack was just kind of like, you know, I've, I've learned so much, he's excellent to work with, we have a great relationship, um, and look, Jack, I mean, I thought on uh, IndyCar GP race day, I thought, you know, Jack Harvey, if he has a good start, you know, he has a legit, legitimate shot to win that race. And he did. And, uh, you know, Mike mentioned, unfortunately, you know, the team kind of let Jack down in that race. And then there's another issue, Texas 2, I believe. Yeah, where he finished with, mid-pack, but he was up there. Um, um, he had a great first race at, at Texas. So, yeah. I mean, he's on the cusp of getting that win. And we've had six winners from six dis- different countries uh, to start the season in IndyCar. And I guess it, they went seven for seven in like, what was it, like 2000 or something? So, I mean, we could see something pr- pretty amazing in, in Detroit this weekend and zero Penske wins. Zero Penske <laughs> wins, you know, six wins for five teams, zero from Team Penske. And, you know, Jack Harvey, too, I think he's a guy that, you know, we mentioned it with Mike Shank about him not getting um, much of the credit. And, and while Elio won, and he did, he earned it and all that. You know, Jack Harvey's been in the trenches with this team for a couple of years and has gone through the ups and downs. Uh, did a partial schedule. Um, you know what he did like six races in eighteen and grew that nineteen. Um, you know twenty uh, does the full season and then uh, this year in twenty one, like you mentioned, Caleb has had some disappointing results purely because of errors elsewhere. Not him. It was largely a, a, a made to forget for Jack Harvey, other than qualifying weekend. Finished 23rd at uh, the GP, 18th in Indy. It still sits 13th in points, and that's better than last year's 15th. So I feel Jack Harvey, you know, if all things had gone right uh, through the first six races, he's solidly in the top 10 in points. Uh, we'll see if he can get some good luck going this week at Detroit because he's a guy that, that really deserves some credit and has really helped that team considerably to get where it is oh for sure and you know while we're on the topic of detroit let's talk about some storylines as indycar returns after the week off break uh we'll get more on tv stuff uh following that but with detroit i think the big news alex Pillow, uh engine penalty for the weekend uh sixth place grid penalty for the first race first race only that car got a new engine between carb day and race day mike hole not happy about it on Twitter. Um, this is going to play a big impact because look, the Indy 500 is over. So we can officially talk about the championship race. Yes. We around <laughs> here can talk championship. Yes. Below is the leader uh, in the clubhouse. So, I mean, this is, I think the first real storyline that we have for Detroit. I feel like so. So though the best he can start is seventh. If he gets the pole, he'll drop to seventh. So uh doesn't have a poll yet this year, but um, that could change this now, weekend. T- Texas won technically. Well, yeah, technically. <laughs> I wouldn't count that. <laughs> Tech, yeah, but, you know, not officially. But uh, we'll, we'll see. It should be uh, a fascinating storyline to follow going into the weekend, but it's, it's in the rules. I mean, clearly, um, it, it's not something that's uh, ambiguous or anything. It's, it's in the rules. So, um, unfortunately, it's, it's a punishment for Pelot. But I feel like uh, if he can have a good, you know, get into the fast six, he he won't be punished too much. He finishes toward, you know, the top half of the grid. Well, and with a 36-point lead over Dixon, 37 over Pato, you got Pagano and VK lurking. Right. (laughs) 
Who would have guessed that? I mean, we who we both we both yeah. have to say mea culpa on VK because our season preview, we're like, why is he on the defy everything branding and everything? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which by the way, we haven't heard a single, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. defy everything. Heard, heard much from that lately. S- which it's like I don't know. That's a separate issue. But you know what? Once again, I just feel like that's the thing that they present at the beginning of the year and then it just goes away. And maybe that's intentional. Maybe they have no, no plan to continue it through the year. But yeah, if you would have guessed, you know, if you guessed six races through the season, VK and Pelot would be in the top five. Uh, congratulations. And the one team Penske driver that would be in the top five would be Simon Pagino, not Will Power, not Joseph Newgarden. I feel like um, those are some surprises. And and you and I were talking about it, Caleb, last week, about the break we got last weekend. Usually we have the duo in Detroit uh, immediately after the 500. Did, did you enjoy the weekend? Did you enjoy the Indy Carless weekend last week, being a little bit able to uh, to decompress a little bit? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And F1 kind of filled my motorsports yes, void. Yes, and so. Baku was, was, <laughs> was pretty crazy in terms of you know F1 races for sure. So, yeah. I've, but I felt like, you know, you get Baku out of the way early and then you just, you know, kind of have the rest of Sunday to relax. No relaxing this weekend. We got two races in two days. Yeah. And let's let's talk about some storylines. So this courtesy of Chad 200 on Twitter gives us the three key stats before every race is for the Detroit GP. Only two of the 17 races, one from pole. And we talk about how tough it is to pass at a track like Detroit. But being a street circuit, you, you get either rain, which weather could be a factor this weekend i don't know we'll see um but at at a track that is deemed to be hard to pass i feel like you get wild results either because of weather or just untimely cautions this will be i think a weekend that will be very challenging not only for jimmy johnson which we expect but also even for romain grosjean i i agree i i feel like you know we're reaching the point too. I feel with Jimmy Johnson where we need to, we were grading him on a curve through the first six races. Uh, but I think that curve in my opinion is going to start flattening out and somewhere in there, there's a pandemic joke, but, uh, uh I don't really know. <laughs> not sure what it is, but, um, I feel give, like, give okay, me two weeks and I'll uh, come up with a response. <laughs> the, uh, you know, six six races in, or you know, less for him, obviously, with no Texas and no Indy. So maybe it's a little bit more, or you know, races we need to get into. But I feel like once you get into the second half of the season, we really need to, you know, expect more. I feel from Jimmy Johnson. I'm not expecting race wins. I'm not even expecting really top tens, to be honest. But if he can get, you know, some some fifteenth, sixteenth place finishes, and you'll know, be in the conversation, stay on the stand, the lead lap. I think that's progress. And I feel like maybe this is a weekend where we start to see it. Maybe Detroit too on Sunday, if Jimmy Johnson can get enough laps on Saturday to really feel comfortable, maybe we can see him be a little bit racy on Sunday. Um, But Romain Grosjean, I'm to the point where I'm really not worried about Grosjean. In my opinion, Grosjean is not a rookie per se. With the performances we've seen him have, um, and the confidence that he has built, I feel like, man, he's a guy that uh, obviously performing better than a rookie and has the experience of not being a rookie either. Uh, but I feel he could have a very successful weekend if you stay out of trouble. That's always the big asterisk for everyone is if you could stay out of trouble. <laughs> I think with Johnson, I give him a pass for this weekend. I would expect more in race two, kind of like you said. I honestly give him a pass up until 
uh, the what big machine spiked coolers GP, the official name now for the uh, IndyCar race in which, in August after Nashville. I completely, honestly, have. It's it's still I don't know why that race is. I know it gets the IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader thing. I, I get that. Then then why are we having a G? Why do we need two races? I get last year, and okay, I'll 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 let it slide this year. But I feel that's it. 2022 should not have that race on the schedule. If it does, then the GP should not be a thing. Yeah, three I, of the I, 17 I races should not be at IMS. In my opinion, I would rather see an IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader at an oval, but I don't think NASCAR wants to do that. No, I don't think so. I mean, give me the Roval at Charlotte potentially, which we've seen Joseph Newgarden test there. I don't know what that means, if anything, but I, I just feel I'm IMS'd out in a lot of ways. Like, I don't want to see another Oval, definitely not, or another race at IMS. Um, but quite frankly, I don't want to see another road course either. Last year, it was nice because we were clamoring for any racing, right? This year, it's just kind of like hodgepodged in there. And I'm, I'm like, kind of, I, I guess, I guess we can go back and race it at IMS again in the road course, but then ditch the early May race, in my opinion. I, I, and I feel like that's the future. I, I I feel like next year, hoping there's only one on the schedule. I don't know which one it'll be, but I think there's only one I would expect. I don't think Roger Penske wants three races at IMS either. But um, yeah, it's taking a lot for me to even get semi-excited about that race. I would agree with that. Um, I, I think, like you said, I think one of those two will go away. No idea which one. I would actually more likely predict uh, the, the May one as well, just because they may fill the schedule in May with, you know, a race, I mean, like they did with Texas this year, and it'd just be too much for the teams, you know, leading into May. Uh, second key stat from Chad 200 via Twitter, Penske just two wins in last 10 races. Pagano hasn't led here, here being Detroit since 2016. So we, we've, we've mentioned no Penske wins on the season. I don't know if that changes this really? weekend. I, I don't know. I have a oh man, I have a hard time thinking that eight races into the season we don't have a Penske winner. I feel one of these Joseph and Orwell wins one of these races this weekend. And then the last stat, Hunter Ray's last four finishes in this event are second, first, fifth, and fourth. Remember, no Detroit last year, so this goes back to 2018 when Hunter Ray won one of the races. Um, Elio Castroneves, he he pushed for this and it doesn't sound like it got very far but I mean he tried and you can't blame him for trying they're sticking with the the six races as Mike Shank told us look if if there's one thing that Mike Shank is not going to do he's he's not going to deviate from the plan yes and And we've seen him do that the last couple years yeah right he's worked his way up to IndyCar doing it full time adding a second car in, in certain events this year like Everything has been laid out. And even when we talked to him earlier, you get that sense that we're not deviating from the plan. And I think it's a good idea. I, 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 I think he wants to grow naturally within the realm of the team. And just because you win the Indianapolis 500 doesn't mean you have to immediately come back. In fact, I saw a stat, Caleb, um, this week that uh, Elio will now be the third of the four yeah, four-time this is, winners. This is what I'm going to get to right now. not race <laughs> in the immediate 
race after that. So we hear all this, oh, how can you possibly have an IndyCar winner or an Indy 500 winner that doesn't race at the next race? What, both Rick Mears and Al Sr. did not race? Or was it, uh, or was it Foyt? Uh, Foyt. So Trackside Online had the had the news. Uh, Elio joins AJ Foyt and Al Unser Sr. as the third of the four-time Indy 500 winners to miss the next race on the schedule. Uh, and someone replied with some research. Uh, AJ withdrew from Milwaukee in 1977. Um, and this was because uh, Foyt's father said his son would drop out because he was ill with the flu and was tired. Uh, and he, he, he crashed a car in the Texas 500 stock car race the previous weekend, but was not injured. So he was apparently sick. So that was the reason for Foyt. And I think for Unser, I don't know if he, I mean, he was part-time. So, I mean, he just didn't have a ride. Yeah. So, so the importance <laughs> of people saying, oh my gosh, you need to have your Indy 500 winner in the seat the week after or the race after. I feel like that's media speak a little bit. I mean, yeah, it's nice to have the driver that wins the race in the next race, but I'm wondering, I still wonder, there's not much carryover in my opinion. Uh, it can give you some momentum out of the 500 for casual fans, but I don't know how many people are clamoring for this weekend to turn on and watch Elio Castroneves race. Uh, I'm going to use my family as an example, big Catholic family all got together on race day. Every single one was rooting for Elio. They went crazy. There were, there were cheers. They were tears. I mean, they legitimately were excited about Elio Castroneves. You know how many of those people are going to watch, let alone care about Detroit this weekend? Zero of them. <laughs> And I feel like that's a fair amount of casual fans. They, they watch the 500. They're invested in the 500. They know the drivers in the 500, but they couldn't care one iota, one lick about the rest of the events on the schedule. And that's the way it is. I'm not complaining or anything. That's, that's the way it is. So I'd never have bought into the whole marketing scheme and, and, and idea that, oh my gosh, you're just, you're, you're, you're killing all momentum by not having your 500 winner in the next race. I don't buy it because quite frankly, I don't feel like there's much momentum in going into the rest of the races. Also, don't forget Santino Ferrucci back with Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan racing this weekend. He'll be driving the high V car also with Cheetos branding on it. So you'll yes. have an opportunity. I'm not expecting much from him, at least on, on road and street courses. Okay. But I thought you were, you were hating on him because of the Cheetos. No. no do you I, like Cheetos? Yeah, I do. do I you just, like those, the flaming hot Cheetos. No, 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 really? No. I just I don't like those. the Cheeto dust on your fingers when it is when a bit done. messy and you get the red <laughs> instead of the orange when you eat the flaming hot flaming hot are ones where I'm eating them going. Why do I eat these? Cause they're so hot yet. I keep eating them and eating them. And then I am left with the red. 25 cars at Detroit. It was off the schedule a year. It comes back after a pandemic. We have a week off. But to me, though, 25 cars, I mean, that is solid. That's healthy. Absolutely. We're, we're in a good spot. Yeah. I mean, you have, you always worry about that one incident to start a race in turn one and you're down to 18 cars. You know, I mean, we lose five cars on lap one this weekend. We're still at 20, still healthy number. So hopefully that doesn't happen, but it's good to see. And I, I feel like it was a good break. I, I feel like, People were, some were worried and, and didn't like that break, but I feel with who won and how they won it and what it meant, I feel deserved a week off. It was almost like fate that that week was off because of the impact that that win made. 
And now I feel like the, all the teams can now refocus after two weeks and get down to business. I feel like you can't really, we talked to Mike Shank about turning the page. It's very difficult to turn the page seven days later or six days, five days when you're back on track at Detroit from Indianapolis. Now we've got a bit of a buffer and I feel like you can hit the reset button for a lot of these teams. Yeah. We don't really have that Indy 500 hangover, so to speak. I think that's helpful. So taking a look at the weekend schedule, race one, uh, Saturday coverage, which we'll have coverage here on 1380, the fan and 100.9 FM in Fort Wayne, two o'clock, I believe two o'clock Eastern time, green flag two Oh five. Now, for IndyCar, I believe coverage starts at 1.30 uh, on Saturday. It does, 1.30. Yeah, so IndyCar Radio here on 1380 The Fan, 1.30. Uh, TV coverage at 2, green flag 2.05. Then on Sunday, uh, coverage starts at noon, and green flag approximately 12.50 in race number two. All right, let's quickly make some picks. I'm going to go with Pato race one, and I'm going to be bold, Rossi in race two. Say what? I'm going to go race one. Let's see here. Man. I'm picking a Penske somewhere. I just don't know if I want to pick him race one or race two. I'm going to go race one. I'm going to pick pick Will Power to win race one. And I will go. Ooh. Man. Do I want to go for a sweep? A Will Power sweep? Um, no, I don't want to. Um... Man, that Rossi pick is pretty decent. I'm going to go Scott Dixon race two. <laughs> Just to be Play different. The hits. Yeah. I, hey, everybody laughed when I picked Scott Dixon to win the pole and it ended up. And, and I laughed at you when you picked Elio Castroneves to win the race. So those are my picks. I'll go Will Power race one, Scott Dixon race two. All right. So looking forward to this weekend. And and I think the other big news story of the week in IndyCar um, that we have to get to is the TV contract. Now, it, it came out earlier in the week that uh, we all know SRX debuts Saturday night. Elia will be competing in that first race. That'll be on CBS. They have six races. Uh, Sean McManus, who is a CBS Sports chairman, this is according to Jenna Fryer, the AP, says, quote, there's no room at the end, end quote, at CBS for other motorsports properties at this time, and the network is not currently talking to other series. Now, for some more context on that, um, Jeff Gluck, uh, who I believe is with The Athletic, uh, tweeting kind of with a more full quote context. Uh, the schedule is full, quote, and this is again Sean McManus talking. We have golf pretty much on every week. There is either an IndyCar race or an NASCAR race. So at the moment, there's really no room at the end. We all thought this was kind of going to be an issue yes. when we looked at CBS. So. We had that NBC article come out. I think Jenna Fryer had it, you know, what, a day or two before the Indy 500 and, and basically saying NBC is still very times yeah. six or whatever, how many times sure. Sam Flood said very yes. uh, interested in, in retaining IndyCar. Now, there's a Speed Sport article by Bruce Martin saying that essentially NBC wants IndyCar, but at the same price. IndyCar obviously wants more money. Uh, and I mean, look, this is, simple negotiations, but I think it's clear we're at a point where IndyCar and NBC will continue. It's just a matter of what are the terms of the deal, which we're probably not going to get a, a exact dollar figure, but multi-year one year, I, I would assume at least 
two years. Right. Yeah. And, I think, and what's the streaming package? Yeah. And I think it's a two year deal um, sounds about right. And, you know, it's weird because, you know, four or six weeks ago, we were thinking NBC was dead to rights. We felt like CBS was going to be the future or at least another entity outside of NBC. And and the, the, the back around now the to NBC could be multifaceted. Did IndyCar go out there and, and nobody was really interested uh, at what they wanted? Was um, was was NBC after they've seen the early season ratings more interested in bringing IndyCar back, whereas um, maybe they were a little uh, had some hesitation before the season started or early. Who knows how we got here? But the fact is, it looks like IndyCar and NBC are back at the table trying to negotiate something. I, I would expect something in terms of added value for IndyCar going forward, but around the same price. So where do they meet? Do they? Does NBC commit to some sort of original programming um, on Peacock? Does it commit to um, producing more of the races with its own uh, entities instead of of IndyCar being responsible for that? Could that be a trade-off? I feel like it's going to be something like that, but I I, I feel right now that, um, you know, I think NBC is the only willing partner for IndyCar, at least you know, seriously interested partner. And quite frankly, I think it's been a great partner for, for IndyCar and they would be quite frankly, stupid to walk away from it. Oh yeah. I, I, I think if you can retain who you have, because I think they've done a solid job. Look, we complain about little stuff here and there, but overall I think we're pretty satisfied with what has come of NBC getting yeah. all of the IndyCar rights, not just the cable version. No, Absolutely. I feel yeah we we always lo- we love to gripe here, but um, by and large NBC's been a phenomenal partner. The amount of races on network what is it nine this year? Nine this year, six of the first eight. Yeah, I believe. Right? And, you know, in fact, Nathan Brown of the Indy Star kind of details. You know the schedule is front loaded on network. Six in the first eight, yeah, three in the final nine on network. So again, we expect something to be completed. End of June is what we've heard for a while from a lot of the you know business types as far as when the new TV deal would be done. I, to me, the best added value you can do is offer, since if it's NBC, which we assume, and they'll keep the streaming rights on Peacock for obvious reasons, um, the biggest thing they, they could do with that is offer a premium package to put races live on Peacock. Sure. But charge more. I mean, I I don't know. Is that ten bucks a month, fifteen bucks a month? I mean, because you get a lot of fans who would pay for that just to have that. Because I know the biggest complaint people have is that you can't stream the races live, as far as on right. Peacock. Yes. So yeah, I agree. Could that be the added value that you have for sure? So there's a lot of different avenues that both NBC and IndyCar can go. But I feel like uh, they're you know maybe both of them circled around and saw. You know, IndyCar didn't see any more interested parties and NBC was kind of like, well, you know, we don't have any, you know, additional options, but uh, it's a weird quirk in the schedule. Like you mentioned, front loaded with NBC races, but then you factor in the Olympics and then you factor in getting into uh, football season. Then, you know, it makes sense that um, that a lot of those early races are on NBC. So I feel like it's been a fruitful partnership. The ratings are up. The Indy 500 was phenomenal. The rating was great. Um, which I think is just what IndyCar and NBC both needed. IndyCar to have a little bit of leverage and a little bit of positivity, and I think NBC to, quite frankly, 
make them think it was all worthwhile, particularly with how with some other events that we've seen struggle out of the pandemic. So uh, it was a good month of May, and I think it's eventually going to lead into a new deal. And I told you earlier this week, Caleb, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something this week end, um, but potentially maybe even... Where, where are we at next? Where are we going? Mid-Ohio? Road America. Road America. I, I feel like Road America weekend at the yeah. latest is is when we hear some stuff. Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, I, I mentioned beyond just live streaming of races on, on Peacock, um, also some sort of programming, whether it be on Peacock or, you know, cable or, or something, you know, kind of a drive to survive-esque thing. We've talked about that in the past. This was also interesting in Brown's article. So we've heard that USA Network is actually on more homes than NBCSN, which NBCSN, if you didn't know, shutting down end of this year. USA Network, 86.2 million homes. That's as of January, uh, according to John Orand of Sports Business Journal. But this this is what caught me by surprise. So NBC Sports, 80.6 million as of January. ESPN, 83.5 million as of November. Wow. ESPN 2, 83.4 billion in November. And FS1, 80.5 million in November. So they're all pretty comparable. Yeah. I mean, USA Network has more than those channels. And those are the sports channels. And USA Network's going to have WWE. They're going to have. Um, They'll have NASCAR. NASCAR. Uh, have NHL. There was a shot no. that they could have had uh, no NHL, hockey, right? But, That's uh, going to ESPN they, now. They gave up the rights to that. But I, I, I mean, to me, that is almost, I mean, that, that's a big deal because people say, well, USA Network, they have no sports brand, but they will. Right. I feel it becomes that now. I mean, they're dedicated sports network, but it's going to have all their sports on it. The majority that are obviously not on uh, big NBC. But so I, I still feel like maybe there's a potential that next year we see a couple races on stream only. I think there's a chance. I, I don't know. It, to me, that would be a like IndyCar's not willing to go that far kind of thing. Yes. I, I mean, you know, maybe it's, hey, we were, you know, the, you remember the days of getting put on MB, on CNBC. I mean, what's the mm-hmm. difference other than people have to, you know, go on a streaming service potentially. But, you know, half of the people that wanted to watch it couldn't didn't have CNBC and the other half had trouble finding it. I, I think we're not quite at the spot where you have stream only races, but I could see that happening the next TV deal. I mean, I think 2025, that will be a pretty common thing. I absolutely agree. Uh, I think the other news, a lot of, you know, extension type stuff coming out also this week. Um, Paddock open, you know, not just for Detroit, but also at mid Ohio, also road America, no masks at Detroit. I don't think these are surprises. Um, I mean, I think it's a big deal in Detroit because Michigan has been on lockdown forever. And so, you know, they weren't even having, you know, little league up there and, you know, everything was shut down. So for Michigan, for Detroit to not mandate mass, I feel is a big step forward. Now for what replaces Toronto, we're getting more again, the the three options, this according to racer.com, Marshall Pruitt with the article. It's either a doubleheader at Mid-Ohio, which, again, we expect to be option one. Option two, making Gateway uh, a doubleheader. And then option three, and I didn't even 
factor this in, which is kind of a bummer, but uh, the the other option is, uh, third option is to go without replacing Toronto and stick with a 16-race schedule. I feel most likely is mid-Ohio. Uh, same promoter. Yeah, you have to give Green Savory a bone here. I mean, two years in a row with Toronto canceled it. You know, not not the promoter's fault, obviously. Uh, And then the other news, speaking of Green Savory, uh, Firestone GP for St. Pete will remain uh, through at least 2026. A two-year extension to the agreement was approved back on June 3rd. And will be back in its normal slot. Yeah. In early to mid-March. Correct. So... that's the other kind of bit of race news as as far as the schedule goes. I'd be really surprised, Caleb, if we go to 16 races. I feel like Green Savory will jump at the opportunity to have another um, event that they can make money off of, mid-Ohio as well. And then even if that doesn't happen, you know, Gateway's run a a doubleheader before, correct, last year? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't see Gateway passing up on that to get potentially get another gate on that same weekend. So I'd be pretty shocked if we ended up only having 16 scheduled races. And then Romain Grosjean, I think I mentioned this earlier, but he will do the Gateway Oval. This, according to Jenna Fryer, this has not been officially confirmed, but she reported it. In a great um, article yes, with Grosjean. Very good article uh, in the AP. And also that he's looking for an IMSA seat for endurance races for next year which that, that kind of threw me off a little bit. He just continues to uh, to live it up here in uh, in America. Kudos, because I, I feel like he's he's a guy that's um, just having fun, I feel, and, and, and has gotten back to having fun. You know, he's different from, from Jimmy Johnson. I mean, you know, Jimmy Johnson won seven championships, right? Seven? Seven? Yeah, seven times. Um, you know, for, for you know, he, he had all the success in the world in NASCAR. And for him to come, it's kind of like a bonus. It's a bonus to do IndyCar, and and you know, but for Romain Grosjean, you know, it was he was in the doldrums at Haas, and and wasn't winning races, wasn't competing for winning races, barely competing for points in Haas in Formula One. So for him to come here and have success has just been a tremendous boost to him, and uh, he's loving it, and we love having him. Yes, and then final bit of track news. This also from Jenna Fryer, Roger Penske. Uh, saying IMS not in current talks to be host of a second US F1 race in 2021. Uh, Roger saying we're not in any position at the moment. We're always talking, but the economics would have to work on both sides to make it happen, and we're not in any discussion. Which means they'll be racing there this year to replace Singapore. <laughs> Except wow. I, I've seen conflicting stuff on that. Uh, Coda was thrown out to be a doubleheader, and then someone mm-hmm. else said, no, that's not happening. I mean, who knows? I would feel they would just add another race in Europe, right? Like they did last year. They adding should. several races. I mean, that just makes more sense than having two at Coda. Does F1 return to IMS? Uh, let's say by 2023. You know, a couple weeks ago, I was a firm yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But now I'm not so sure. I don't know because the big hang up with Coda and Formula One was where is that state subsidy was what, 18, 20 million or something yeah, like that? It, it was a lot. That they were not getting uh, going forward. So that was, you know, everybody thought that was, you know, the death of Coda. But apparently there's been no talk of that recently. Did they get the money? Um, are they surviving without the money? Have they had some private investors to really make up for it? I don't know because. Not only is is Coda on target to to host F one this year, it sounds like 
there's going to be a deal relatively soon where they extend their contract with Formula One. So what changed? I'm not really sure, but we felt like IMS was up if Coda went away, being the only other FIA grade one track in the United States. But it sounds like Coda has life again. And with that and Miami being added next year, I don't, I don't see there being room for a third U.S. race anytime soon. Which is kind of a shame because I think IMS has the facility, obviously, to do that. They may have to make some small track changes or, or something. But I don't think it's a, a large expense as far as that goes. Now, right. obviously, the sanctioning fee is, I would guess, a significant expense. Now, is it the same level as what it was back in the day, you know, in the 90s and 2000s, where people guess it was $20 million, $25 million? I I don't know. I don't know what Liberty yeah. Media is charging. Right. Um, they're getting great value for their product, though. Yeah. The past two years since Drive to Survive came out. Right. And that's been a that's been a boon for that series. And we all talk about an IndyCar getting something similar to that. It, it can't be the exact same thing because that's a copycat, but just getting something to get the younger crowd interested. And I think having F1 guys, you know, at Grosjean, Erickson, I guess you throw in Chilton and Rossi. Uh, even though they've been in IndyCar a little bit longer. Then you throw in Jimmy Johnson coming over, so you have NASCAR fans. I mean, you're starting to build something. The momentum's there. I think we all see that. It's just a matter of capitalizing on it. The Indy 500, I think, was the first time that it felt like, you know, it it almost felt like the, you know, the split's been over since 2008, but it felt like it was the series and, and, and the 500 so far removed from that era. And even from the, the aftermath, it, it just, it felt like a, a new beginning. I would agree. And, you know, going back to F1, we're, we're seeing, we always seem to mention drive to survive almost every week. It's becoming almost like unprecedented times at this point, but you look <laughs> at the Baku rating uh, for formula one last weekend, was a 956,000 yeah. viewers on yeah. ESPN on a Sunday morning. Race started at like 8, 10 a.m. Yeah, it was it was easily the the most watched Formula One race this year on ESPN. It's been the most watched in X amount of years on ESPN. Long story short, it's it's gaining momentum, continues to get more and more viewers. The fact that you, you pointed out, Caleb, that IndyCar struggles to get to that million viewer mark on network and a and on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, whereas Formula One does it on a sleepy Sunday morning at Baku with 956,000. I think that shows the power of, of digital streaming and original content. And it's really buoyed uh, Formula One in the States. And that's further, further proof of it. And IndyCar needs to get on board because they're falling behind. Yeah, I, I think they're making strides, and I think having you know those name guys, uh, throwing Montoya racing the 500 in, in the GP as well, but those guys help, and the awareness they bring on social media that helps. I think that's a starting point. But I mean, you have to continue to attract drivers outside of what you expect to the 500 to to kind of you know grow in that. And you know, back to Grosjean, I think it's clear we expect him. I mean, he, he's going to do gateway, you know, according to that article in the AP, and then we're going to find out whether he wants to do the full season next year. We know the stories of IndyCar and the IndyCar drivers. 
how do you convey the stories of Romain Grosjean and Jimmy Johnson and all these drivers to a casual fan? That's what Formula One was able to do. Tell these guys' stories away from the track. Tell these team stories. Tell the sports stories. That's what Formula Formula One has done so well. That's what IndyCar needs to get as soon as possible. If uh, you liked what you, you've heard, we'd love for you to find us at NewTrackRecordPodcast.com. While you're there, sign up for our email list so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is IndyCar Podcast. On Facebook, like us. Just search for New Track Record. Or you can send us an email, NewTrackRecordPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Follow us for free. All right, Justin, time now for the mailbag as we get to listener tweets in every episode. And uh, with that, we had plenty of discussion, and we're probably not going to get too far into the weeds <laughs> on this one, but plenty of discussion there was. on uh, what would you rather have, essentially, Indy 500 win or IndyCar Series title? Uh, I posted the poll. That was after a spirited debate. A spirited, yes, I would say that's a good word. Spirited, spirited debate. debate. You know, and Elio having a fourth versus, you know, Dixon having six titles, right? That was the, the question that kind of stemmed right. from all this. Yeah, and, you know, I feel like when you're, you're comparing one-to-one, the answer is obvious, the 500. I think when you get into um, uh, a realm of debate is is multiple of one, against multiple of another. Um, I, you know, you and I agree that there's nothing that compares to winning the Indianapolis 500 for a driver. I don't care what a driver says um, to the public or in a, in an interview. And maybe he does legitimately feel that way during his career that, Hey, yeah, it's, it's immensely uh, more difficult. Look, uh, being more difficult and being more important is something different thing. Yes, of course, it's more difficult to win the series championship. That doesn't make it the more coveted thing. Correct. You know, what uh, I mean? you ask a driver if you straight up. You you're a racing driver. You go through your career. Which would you rather have on your resume? Any 500 win? Any car series title? I think any 500 right. win. You say any 500 win or four series championships? I still feel I like still it's an think, 8500 yeah, one. Yeah, and most of our listeners agree. I mean, we, this was, again, all over the place. DC Soda tweeting, Elio is the perfect ex- example of this. He's now going to be mentioned the same breath as Foyt, Mears, and Unser Sr. Or having zero series championships. I had to look up how many Unser and Mears won because it just doesn't register uh, nearly to the degree a 500 one does. And I think that's our argument. Uh, yes. R. Cole said, ask Michael Andretti. Also, <laughs> right? also easy argument. Uh, Hickey 93. Well, if it's just one, then that's an easy answer, which is, I think what you were getting at. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know, um, I know it was debated on very different levels and mm-hmm. very different arguments. And I get it, but we're talking one-to-one. There's no comparison. And quite frankly, I feel like when you, when you get into the retirement, look, I go back to Michael Andretti. Everybody talked about, talks about how he never won a 500, never won a 500. He won the 91 cart championship. Yeah. But, Whoop-de-doo. Whoop-de-doo, right? Um, you know, 30 years later, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter. He didn't win a 500. And I feel like, um, you know, those instances are proof in the pudding. I feel when you're talking Elio versus Dixon, which I think is the impetus of this whole argument, yeah, is six yeah. titles versus four he, Indy he 500 goes, He goes wins. on to tweet, yeah, yeah. six titles in an Indy 500 or zero titles in four Indy 500s, then it's much different. 
I don't, I don't think, think so. Yeah, I don't think that I it don't is. think so. In terms of legacy, in terms of, I don't, I feel if you are a person that won six championships and never won an Indy 500 at 70 years old, you are losing sleep over never winning an Indy 500. Conversely, if you're Elio and if you won four times at the Indianapolis 500 and didn't win a championship, I don't think that guy's missing a lick of sleep worrying about that championship. About, no. man, how I could have made that pass late at Edmonton to get an extra point to win. <laughs> or, man, if I would have just stayed out of trouble and not made this move at mid-Ohio, wouldn't it cost me? Those things, to me, aren't going through a retired driver's head. He's worrying and and fretting and remembering that bad move he made in turn three out of the short, into the short shoot. Uh, could cost him a win or if this wouldn't happen to his engine he wins the 500 this year those are the memories that drivers have Uh, i mean in the end i feel it's no debate i mean indy 500 wins over the championships i don't care how many championships you have i i think all drivers covet that 500 and anybody who says different in my opinion is is like no active driver is going to come out and marginalize the championship true right? i mean he's, it's against their best interest he's not going to come sponsors out sponsors wouldn't be happy yeah he's not going to come out and say you know championship's a joke yeah <laughs> which it's not i get it but drivers are not going to come out and say you know yeah if, if i had to pick one i'm picking the 500 because like you said you have sponsors you have team you know you and the series is not gonna be like whoa, whoa, whoa don't make it all about one race because already so many people think that right so well, i mean the series kind of <laughs> they do <laughs> absolutely so yeah there's there's rabbit holes upon rabbit holes upon rabbit holes you can go down this thing but i think it's uh in our opinion indianapolis 500 wins are exponentially more important to a driver past present or future than championships and i feel like when scott dixon hangs it up if he retires with just one Indianapolis 500 win and six championships, he would gladly trade up to six championships or a second Indianapolis 500. I I, I can't really disagree. Um, and, uh, other people with their, their take, Joseph underscore bear on Twitter. Is this really a debate? Uh, Zach Curley, 8771. But actually, really like to hear how Rossi feels on this. Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> right? Uh, I think we know how, how Rossi... Uh, you know, that is an interesting debate. I, I think I Rossi... Agree. He could buck the trend just because he bucks the trend and everything else. He wants, though, that second Indy 500 so bad to because for everyone says, well, he won on a fuel mileage strategy, you know? Which I also feel like that's why he wants a title, too, to... Uh, because then it kind of quiets give him those, some, those yeah, people. Mm-hmm. That you were um, a pro- your biggest win of your career was a product of fuel saving, which goes to the point of winning another 500. But I think also goes to winning a championship too. Look, I, you know, a lot of people will say you need to win a championship to be an elite driver. I don't think you can say that about Elio. And you know, you you, you can you know talk football and talk Dan Marino, talk John Elway up to his final two years. Yep. I don't think you can have that argument. But you know, you go back to the beginning of this thing. And there are now four drivers that won four 500s and majority of people do not know, nor do they care how many titles those four won. All they know is those four Unser, Mears, Hoyt and Elio have all won four Indy 500s. I could not tell you that the cart or USAC titles, um, that the other guys, you know, have won. I, I know they've won championships yeah. like Foyt. I mean, Foyt's won six, right? I think. And six then, or seven. 
Al Senior won a few. Rick, I think, won a few. Yeah. But I have no idea when, when those happen. And, and, and Joseph underscore Bear, uh, following up, another point, just from prize money, don't you get more for winning the 500 than an IndyCar championship? Yes. Uh, yes, on paper now. Contracts as they go. <laughs> True, yes. No idea. Could be a little bit different. This will be my final statement on the, the subject here for the podcast is they do not give out baby Aster Cups or championships. They give out baby Borgs for 500 wins. That should tell you which is more important. Both IndyCar, it's drivers, it's teams, and it's team owners. Yep. There's yep. no baby Aster Cups being given out. <laughs> uh, moving on to a different topic in the mailbag. This is from Demise90. I love that Roger is working on Toyota being the third OEM. And I completely agree that it makes the most sense. IndyCar is basically the only untapped... Uh, American professional racing series they have left NASCAR IMSA uh, with Lexus NHRA and the world of outlaws all of Toyota already yeah again when we narrowed it down after things fell through between Ferrari and Porsche and whoever else which I mean that just seems to happen right this is where we're at and I think circling back around that's that's a pretty good pretty good spot to be in if that does come true and I mean Toyota was last in the sport what 2005 so mid 2000 somewhere yeah, yeah 2006 to 11 was honda only but yeah. yeah toyota was around 2005 now they they struggled for a bit but i mean they were in it yeah um it's nice to get casual updates like this but it's also just um it's tough to to get excited about any of it wake me up when they sign on the dotted line yeah, and we'll have more more on that a little bit later on. Uh, you posted the poll on Penske. You know, do they get their first victory of the season this weekend? You say yes. I say no. I'm a hater. Um, you th- you mentioned a good point though, uh, and in terms of your theory on why. Oh yeah, this is yeah. happening with with Team Penske. Yeah. So I mean, my theory is pretty simple. Look, you look at their performance in the Indy 500 the past you know two years now, so 2020 and 2021. No cars in the Fast Nine. Both years, correct? Yeah. Um, they were a complete non-factor last year. I think Newgarden was like fifth, uh, but he wasn't really a factor. And then Pagano came on late this year. Right. But, I mean, power was a mess. Newgarden never really got going. Um, who am I missing? Uh, McLaughlin made a mistake. I mean, he's a rookie. So he gets a pass. But, right. I mean, they weren't really a factor two straight race days. I mean, they, it's not like they were leading laps you know in contention yeah Pagano finished strong but that was it and you know to me Pinsky's not on the timing stand I get that it's still his race team you know he still you know has final say on stuff but he's not as involved day to day in the operations of the race team you know look at it like Roger Penske is a dad and for a long time he's had just one child and that was Team Penske. Now, I understand he's in different disciplines, but let's just talk IndyCar, okay? He just had one child, and that child was Team Penske in IndyCar, and it got all of his IndyCar attention, okay? And he was a, he was a very loving dad to Team Penske, and that was where 100% of his efforts went. But then here comes another child. In fact, two children, twins, named IMS and IndyCar, and they're added to the family. And while Roger Penske still loves, loves, love his firstborn, Team Penske, 
He cannot possibly give 100% of his time and effort into Team Penske because he has these two twins that he now has to take care of, IndyCar and IMS. And that, it kind of breaks down your theory, Caleb, that uh, while he still loves his dear Team Penske, he just keeps getting dragged off and having to share the love, share the wealth a little bit. And that could potentially be the reason why we're seeing Team Penske struggle. So on the poll, 56% said yes, Penske will earn its first victory of the season, 44% no. Uh, Vicky Lynn, 26. Simon will win race one. Joseph will win race two. Uh, and then Ramsey's underscore A underscore Perez. Uh, Hope Pato award wins both races. Um, so those are the kind of the replies there. And, you know, I. it's not like they're bad. You know, it's not like they're struggling. It's just it hasn't worked out. This has been a crazy season, though, to have six different winners in six races from six countries. Correct me if I'm wrong from... No, 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 not six different teams. Uh, five, five different teams. Five yep. different teams, though, because you have Plo and Dixon yeah. with Ganassi. I mean, all of these numbers are something you would not expect to see. And that said, uh, you have all four drivers in their in the top 12 in points, and you have three of them in the top 10. In fact, three in the top nine. So while we're uh, talking about how, how disappointing Team Penske is, has been... This is the level of dominance that we're used to from Team Penske to look at a team that has not won a race in six races this year, yet has three of their not of their drivers in the top nine. Yet we're looking at it going, what is wrong with Team Penske? It's almost like, you know, the 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 comparison to college football, if Alabama loses or Clemson loses, it's very much like what is wrong with Alabama? What is wrong with Clemson? Um, what is wrong with Team Penske this year? Probably it's nothing. Probably nothing, right? But they've just been so dominant that maybe the bar is being raised by those underneath them that is making things a little bit more more comparable. So um, I'm not sure Team Penske has slipped necessarily. I feel like it's been disappointing. But how much is that Team Penske and how much is that the competition around them? Yeah, it, it, it could just be the competition has stepped up. Aeroscreen, I think, is also a great equalizer. As well, I, I get that it's year two, but it's still, I mean, I think it's leveled the playing field quite a bit because of such limited testing they had going right. into last season. Um, other tweets, Poet Shevchenko, to clarify your questions about the SRX game, it is a full game on Xbox, PlayStation, and PC, and has midgets and late model racing in addition to X- SRX, which is the top series, so that's pretty cool. How about that? I haven't Legit seen game. it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I don't know if it's a game you can buy, or is it something you can... Uh, I mean, buy as in physical. Is there a physical disc, or is it something that you buy and then download on on the thing? I may look and see when I get home if it's on the App Store. I don't know when it's coming out, but uh, on the PlayStation Four. But SRX does get started this weekend, Caleb. So yeah. that's something we can look forward I'm to. I'm set guess. to record that. Uh, DC Soda and calling us out. Uh, correction. Uh, good recap, but that Elio finishing stat can't be right, can it? He crashed in 2018, didn't he? That is correct. We are wrong. <laughs> Oh, um, I am I, wrong. That I, was something I, I've been. I forgot about it for two weeks. I don't he know where I saw that initially that year. I well, I don't think I, I saw that elsewhere. I I can say that. Yeah. I, okay. So at least we have so somebody else not, to blame. We should have known. Yes, but that's something that we just didn't pull out of our butts for sure. And then this also from Poet Shevchenko. This in regards to Santino Ferrucci and High V. Uh, it's great that the sponsor is something a general consumer like me can buy too. I'll pick up a couple bags this week. Okay, he's referencing Cheetos. Yeah. But, I mean, that's, again, 
it's good to have actual connections and you know and, sp- name recognition does mean a lot yeah. in sports and, and don't cars. act like you you just wanted a reason to buy cheetos <laughs> i mean why not <laughs> right <laughs> not the flaming hot ones for caleb though yeah not a fan of the flaming hot cheetos not a fan okay and then uh let's see that wraps up the mailbag couple of notes from uh indycar deep throat so uh telling me based on what i was told in april if jj is doing two ovals this year one would have to be gateway um i can see it happening for him and maybe grosjean which grosjean we expect to be confirmed and then goes on to say if gateway is a double header that would actually work for guys like elio jj and even grosjean and then also this is pretty big um we talked about rossi last week Lots of weird rumors have been coming out since Indy that Napa might not re-up with Andretti Rossi at the end of the year. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, Napa is one of those sponsors, and I know every sponsor wants to win, but Napa, due to their activation in in autosports, want to be winning races. And they're not winning races, nor are they really in the picture um, lately for wins in IndyCar. I mean, it's been almost two years now. I mean, Road America would mark two years. I, I still think he gets a win. I mean, I think their street course program, I think, is going to be pretty solid this weekend. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I really do. He hasn't reached the point where I would be surprised if Rossi wins a race. Like, you were there with Marco Andretti, right? Yeah. You were you're there sure. with, um, you know, are you there with Ryan Hunter Ray at this point? I kind of am. Yeah, I, I thought Indy, he had a legitimate shot. Yeah. And that, I mean, pit mistake in his race, but I think he had a legitimate shot at Indy, but I don't know if he was going to win, but right. I think he would have finished top four or five. Yeah, but if he captures a win, which RHR has won at Detroit before, I'm going to say. 2018, yeah. It, it it would surprise me. I feel when you're looking at Andretti, Herta is up there every week, um, and then Rossi, but Rossi's well, considerably I, below. Uh, yeah, Herta, we expect him to be a contender, you know, every race. Yes. Um. Rossi would not surprise me to see him. I get that he's struggled the past couple years. I mean, I mean, Hunter Ray and Hinchcliffe, though, yeah, that would yeah. stun me uh, if they won. Look, everyone knows Rossi needs that, that entire team needs a win. Rossi needs a win. Edwards needs a win. Napa needs a win. Andretti needs a win with Rossi. That whole organization under Alexander Rossi needs a victory at some point. And Kayla, we've been saying it for months is with every progressing race. When they do not perform up to their expectations, that cloud just gets larger and darker above that team. And it, we're, we're hearing about it. We're seeing it. You know, IndyCar Deep Throat telling us. We're seeing other people mentioning how there's divisiveness within that team. It's, it's starting to break, and it's going to break. It's inevitable if this team does not start getting some results. And the only thing that can solve it, in my opinion, Caleb, is wins. And then one other note from IndyCar Deep Throat, uh, this in regards to Santino Ferrucci. Uh, if he can bring in funding to help with the high V support, Santino can race as many races as he wants. The doubleheader was last minute, like last week, last minute. I think Gateway is a good chance along with the Brickyard race in August. Yeah, I think Gateway is a strong chance. And sure. Especially with how he performs on old. Third full-time car. I mean, look, the guys love him or hate him. He's great at the Indy 500. And he's someone that gets people to talk. Right. And I, and I have to think with Hy-Vee, you know, maybe, because I don't remember them being 
a big partner previous to this year. Uh, they were with Piggott last year at the 500 and okay. I think a couple other races. But I mean, that was a new relationship that was formed right. last year. So it seems like that's been grown from last year and now maybe it's uh, been growing from at least May forward with, with new money coming in and, and then, you know, the partnership with Cheetos. So, uh, yeah, could it be laying the groundwork for that elusive third full-time entry for RLL next year? <laughs> What comes first, third full-time uh, entry for uh, Ray Hall, the third full-time for Spam, Alexander Rossi winning another race, <laughs> or an Andretti winning the Indy 500? <laughs> I feel like, oh man, that's tough because I think both- I'm going to go with Rossi. I, I mean, too, I think both Spam and RLL are with third cars next year. So that would be the start of 2022, which means Rossi needs to win a race this year. So you feel he wins a race before the end of the year? Yeah, I, I think he does. Okay. I think they figure it out. Okay. Uh, I mean, we've been saying that for, you know, going on <laughs> two years now. That right? is true. It's crazy. It's been that long. Uh, news and notes to get to. Uh, J.R. Hildebrand tweeting that his Pikes Peak uh, Hill Climb program that he was working on has been postponed to 2022. And is he, again... Is he going to do the Indy... That was the, the rumor. Yeah. That was the rumor in, in an article somewhere. So it's a bummer, but again, I think it's probably for the best. Uh, IndyCar's 2.4 liter hybrid engines for 2023 testing set to start the first quarter of next year, according to Jay Fry. This is a motorsport.com article. And of course, we get to one of our favorite topics. And, and I love the wording here by uh, David Mulsher Lopez. Even he, it almost feels like he's trolling a little bit. Regarding the regular question of IndyCar landing a third engine oh, manufacturer, here we go. Fry commented, we're talking to different OEMs like we always have, and we're encouraged. And if you're thinking, oh yeah, we've heard that one before, I understand. It's not for lack of effort that we haven't been able to confirm a third <laughs> manufacturer yet. Part of the problem has been timing. There are a couple we got pretty far down the road with, but for them to spend money on something new that has no form of electrification is not going to happen. So we're solving that part of the equation. We remain talking to several possibilities. We're hopeful. All right. That's our weekly third OEM update. Yep, we'll talk to Jay Fry next week. And look, and for, for as much as we um, get frustrated with hearing the same old thing, like I said before, guarantee you Jay Fry, and you can kind of sense in that quote, he's tired of saying the same yes. old thing as At well. At least they're still having active conversations. Yes. And I guess, you know, every month or two, if we can get an update and said, yeah, I guess they're still talking to people. Maybe that's, we just got to live with that. Also, a separate article on motorsport.com. IndyCar will re-examine the blue flag rule in the off-season, according to Jay Fry, after Grosjean had traffic issues. And the IndyCar GP also pits closed under caution rule, being monitored strong. uh, There's a strong alternative that is gaining traction among the drivers. Um, For the blue flag? No, no, no. For the pits closed. Ah, so let's so we were we we, we I won't say it's a spirited debate, but we were debating the blue flag, and, and the, the the impetus of that was from the GP with Kumasato trying to stay in the lead lap and Grosjean trying to distance himself from the field and being stuck behind Sato, and Grosjean and even some drivers in the field felt that uh, Sato was uh, being overly aggressive and trying to stay in that lead lap. The term lucky dog was mentioned in that article as a potential, um, uh, you know. It's not like these cars don't have push to pass. I I guess to me, it's like, 
you have the opportunity. The straight is so long. There, there are a couple of spots to pass on that course. But I just, I don't know. You know, if you're you're racing elbows out and all that, it can be tough. And it, it potentially lost Grosjean that race. But you know, is that a that's racing type thing? Yeah, I okay. think so. I mean, look, they have pushed the pass. It's not like they don't yeah. have a tool to try to help them overcome that. I, I guess is how I look at it. I uh, I I'm more open to it than you are. I know it's it's quote unquote gimmick thing. <laughs> um, but you know, we were, then, the then it's that, under yellow technically is a gimmick. Yeah. Well, and then we went into the rate wave around rule, which you and I uh, don't understand the wave around rule. I don't no understand the wave clue around on rule. That like one. all of a sudden there'll be ten more cars on the lead lap, and I don't know how it happened or why. Whereas other places it doesn't have. Like I don't understand. Help me understand the wave around <laughs> rule. <laughs> because I don't understand, but it doesn't become, it becomes less and less of an issue with less and less ovals, basically. Yes, that is, that is true. Cause that's where it's generally, generally used. Yeah. Because they have that under 20 lap rule in place, moving lap cars out of the way, which right. I think is good. Which I, mean, I think is fine. I think if you're under X amount of laps and you're doing what Takuma Sato did at the GP, I feel like you should be black flagged uh, at some point after being shown the blue a couple times, but midway through the race, I mean, anything can happen. You get a timely yellow, stay on the lead lap, uh, you can get a good finish. Whereas, you know, I, I, I'm i not totally against the lucky dog, but at the same time, I, I get what you're saying, Caleb, and I feel like it comes down to that's racing. It is what it is. All right. Thanks, uh, Montoya. Yep, no um, problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, IndyCar at Racing Optics is the tear-off provider for the aero screens that officially announced. Uh, congrats. <laughs> uh, Marco yeah. Andretti. Will be with Jarrett Andretti and Oliver Askew as co uh, as a co driver to compete in the IMSA Six Hours of Watkins Glen. That's in the LMP3 class. Again, we all expected this to happen. Just something finally announced. Uh, so and, good, good for Marco there. And you know, I, I chuckled seeing Marshall Pruitt's tweet about how with that story, he his headline of Andretti um, to race with Andretti at Andretti. Uh, headline suggestion was shot down. That's a that's a good headline. I, <laughs> I I missed that, and I hope the team name is as long as the number ninety eight and U.S. Concrete uh, Andretti Autosport entry with with Curb Ag- M- Marco okay. Andretti and Curb Agajanian Champ Car World Series powered by Bridgestone. There's an acronym <laughs> in there somewhere. It could be used. Yeah. Everyone's favorite uh, entry name. Um, let's see. A couple other random things. Uh, this is good news. Uh, Oil Pressure Blog posting that his wife uh, rang the bell um, just a few days ago. The end of all her cancer treatments hey, hey. after 11 months. Excellent. And same day as her birthday. So awesome. What a day. That's that's exciting stuff there. Also, IndyCard DJ32 with an update. He had COVID and... Basically, he's going to have to get a new kidney, but I actually saw him the month of May and Goodness. he's doing a lot better. So after he, he was hospitalized due to COVID and he's gotten his health on track. So um, it's a good update there. All right. With that, uh, before Tweets of the Week, Justin. Yes. Time for our new segment, our oh, yes. random split era cart IRL champ car driver. Of the week. Well, you know, I debated uh, going back and forth with this one and found several guys. And uh, originally, I didn't like this one because he did have some success elsewhere. But 
we are going to go with one of your favorite split drivers of all time, uh, J.J. Leto. Who? Um, he's <laughs> Finnish. His real name is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this, Yerki Johani Yarvaleto. Now, we got called out on IndyCar Reddit for oh, I know. Somebody's probably laughing at it. Michelle Alberetto or, or whatever a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so. but <laughs> I think in Finnish, there's no hard J's. It's it's more yellow or yellow Y. But uh, Kiki Rosberg, um, who was a mentor to JJ, pretty first good, suggested. Pretty good mentor. Yeah, first suggested that then Yerky Yarvaleto should abbreviate his name to the more manageable JJ. Leto uh, actually started 70 or no 62 formula one races. Wow. Uh, what's uh... from 89 to 94 actually won Le Mans twice. Wow. So what's this guy's his, no uh, bum. Okay. IndyCar involvement. Well, let's get to that because that's the only reason why we picked him. But um, yeah, competed in 62 formula one races, uh, won two Le Mans, but the only thing we care about is his 1998 run with Hogan Racing, which we have to mention because it was yeah, uh, it was Elio's, Elio's rookie th- ride. Which we heard that, and I think we read that in the mailbag that Hogan Racing was not the first team he was with. He was with Bettenhausen Racing, correct? For that, but his rookie year he raced for Hogan. Mm-hmm. So the same team uh, as JJ Leto raced the entirety of the 1998 kart season. Um, in the uh, in the Raynard 98i chassis, Mercedes-Benz powered, finished 20th in points. Had a great finish to the year with three top 10s in the final five races. He thought it would led to have led to bigger and better things, but uh, went over to Le Mans starting in 1999. Yeah, the Mercedes engines were not very good in that era, so... <laughs> So, not not all too surprised. J.J. Leto, who uh, yeah, finished 20th in points as one season with Hogan Racing, but uh, was known for, for other things, racing in Formula One and racing in Le Mans, won Le Mans twice. Um, but he was our uh, random part ILL, RL split driver of the week. He is uh, 55 now, still around. So uh, there he is, Mr. Uh, Yerky Yohani. Harvey Leto, JJ Leto. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's a name I've never heard of. That's for sure. That's the goal of this <laughs> thing. Is I don't know how how long I can go before Kayla's gonna be like, oh, I remember him because my my. But there's so is, many guys to have like one or two starts. I know. So I, I'm I'm first trying to find the full timers that I've never heard of, mm-hmm. uh, and then we'll kind of whittle our way down. But it's tough because uh, there's a lot of guys. That we've never heard of in those, especially those early years, those mid to late nineties um, and early two thousands, just a field day of uh, anonymity in terms of who the heck these guys are. <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time for tweets of the week. First one from Jake Query. Since the first Indy five hundred, there have been seven Cicada invasion years. Only two: nineteen nineteen, uh, Howdy Wilcox and Buddy Rice, two thousand four. The winners only five hundred win. The others, Louis Myers third of third, Vukovic's second of second, Allenser's first and fourth of four, Elio's fourth of four, I need a hobby. <laughs> <laughs> um, this from Townsend Bell. Opportunity you can call it any time, be ready. That's a Joe Tonto quote. And he's got a, a picture of the earbud touching the ears, also yeah. Joe Tonto. But that actually is uh 
foreshadowing because T-Bell is replacing Zach Veach uh, in IMSA Detroit this weekend. Veach with COVID-19, so hopefully uh, Zach Veach beats that pretty handily. And then, uh, let's see. This tweet, which, again, it's NASCAR-related, but it's hilarious. Brandon Brown, Brandon Brown underscore 68 on Twitter, has a video uh, caption calling all business owners that are interested in breaking into the NASCAR market at a fair price. Uh, he's got his email tagged on there. Great video. Check it out. It's, it's very funny. It's basically like a loud used car or furniture ad. Yes. Catering to <laughs> trying to find sponsorship. It's hilarious. So watch it. But going back to the Cicada thing. Yeah. We laughed several <laughs> weeks ago about cicadas affecting an IndyCar race, which yeah. is one of the questions in the mailbag. And like we mentioned, was not the most absurd question of the week in that particular mailbag. No, it was but, not. But uh, news coming out this morning that cicadas, and this is at uh, abcnews.com, uh, headline, Cicadas Delay White House Press Ahead of Biden Overseas Trip, says reporters traveling to the UK ahead of President Joe Biden's first overseas trip were delayed after their charter plane was overrun by cicadas in the Washington, <laughs> D.C. area. Uh, it wasn't entirely clear how the cicadas disabled or disrupted the plane mechanics, but ultimately the plane was swapped for another one. There was a seven-hour delay. From what I saw, they were just covering the exterior of the plane. So who are we to say that an IndyCar race cannot be affected True. by Broad X uh, cicadas when uh, the president's press corps can't even make a trip due to cicadas. Basically, we're lucky that Indy 500 wasn't a week later, and we're lucky that it's, you know, been, it was cool enough, you know, up here yeah. recently, and which I would assume would apply to Detroit and Road America. Hopefully. It's not going to be an issue, but mid-Ohio? Uh, Nashville just could be a mess. Do they have cicadas in Nashville? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I assume. I know it's like Midwest and Mid-Atlantic. So, I Have mean, you seen one yet around here? No, I yeah. haven't I haven't heard Any one. Other. I haven't seen Any one. Other. I think it's fake news. I bet it happens this weekend. Could be. You know, somebody told me that, and this goes to maybe to your point about the temperatures, it needed to be a certain degree in the ground yes. for them to start emerging. 64 degree ground That's temperature. Uh, someone actually tweeted me that because I was, you know, saying, you know, these, these cicadas, like, they're, you, they're fake yeah. news. <laughs> Where are these cicadas? And uh, apparently the ground temperature was not there yet. Now, I would guess it's close. I don't know uh-huh. if it'll be as crazy. I guess in Indy, like one of my friends said, yeah, that's wild at my house. And other people uh-huh. were, you know, saying, uh, you know, one of my former coworkers, he lives in Greenwood. And he said, yeah, uh, our property, he's, he's got like five acres. They're just, it is deafening outside. So I think we're lucky up here for the time uh, being. We're going camping this weekend. And I just texted my wife, wife that if I see a cicada this weekend, I'm leaving. <laughs> I do not want to be responsible for a tent that's covered in cicadas. Not my idea of fun. No. We'll see. So stay tuned next week to see I, I think the horrors they could of come camping. out this weekend. I think, yeah, I'm very I think concerned. <laughs> the now timing. that we've mentioned this, that I'm a little bit concerned that these things are going to make an appearance. We're we're lucky it's cooler up in Fort Wayne compared to Indy because I think that is literally the only difference right now. We'll, yeah. we'll we'll see. All right, final tweet of the week from Alex Pillow. Whatever you drive, drive a Firestone. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And that's that's all there that's is it. to say that's, on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Anything that we missed. I don't think so. It was a good break. 
I feel now that we're uh, heading into race weekend, hope to watch uh, race one, hopefully not surrounded by cicadas in a tent uh, this Saturday evening, and then hopefully get home to watch uh, the DVR recording of race two on Sunday. We'll see where we stand in points. I feel like this is, like you mentioned earlier in the, the podcast, Caleb, now we, you and I start paying attention to the points and this with the lone currently scheduled doubleheader of the year is really the the week that could really make a, a big impact. So um, I, I feel like if, if Alex Pillow is still atop the standings after this weekend, I think he's in a good spot. And I think guys that need to make up some ground, you know, the Penske's, uh, Colton Herta after a couple of tough races. I mean, this is their chance to claw their way back in it. Even Ross, if Rossi can double podium this weekend, he can put himself back in the fight. And if he doesn't double podium and he doesn't get a single podium, then he could no. be uh, more angst in that uh, <laughs> Rossi pit for sure. Very, very true. We'll be back next week recapping the uh, 2021, was it Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix? Is it still presented by Lear? I have not seen that. I'm not sure. I haven't sure. seen the, uh, the official, officially official name for the weekend. Uh, as I go to, yes, the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix, it's race one and, and race two. I don't know about the Lear. I think that was in years past, but uh, and we'll be back next week to recap that. So thanks for joining us. Thanks to Mike Shank for coming on earlier in the episode. For Justin Kinney, I am Caleb Hatch. This has been New Track Record Podcast. Podcasts by Federated Media.